Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Um, I was suggested by a reader to make a podcast episode out of my post, What Would Your Husband Act Like If He Got All the Physical Affection He Wanted? And I will do that, but not before I remind you to subscribe, please, to my podcast, and then you get bonus episodes, and you go to the top of the list if you have a question that you want me to answer on this, and you get good karma points from me. So... I want to tweak this suggestion a little bit because although, as I've discussed, men do comprise the majority of the people in my practice who I see that have higher libidos than their partners and who are uh, very frustrated with partners who do not validate their love language of physical and sexual intimacy, there are also women like that too. And as I say, that's about a third of the cases. So the reality is that this needs to be about what would your partner be like if they got all the physical affection they wanted, not just your husband. Um, and as I've discussed and as I've done an episode on, it can even be harder for a woman who doesn't get all the physical affection she wants just because of the societal expectation that her husband is supposed to be the higher libido partner. So then she could take it as that she's like really disgusting and ugly because her marriage is not even like, uh, the average Whereas men, they feel like shit, certainly about their wives rejecting them, but at least there's like some, you know, popular culture relevance for this phenomenon for them. Whereas women that want more sex than their husbands, you know, it's like the only thing is something like a caricature, like Peg Bundy or something, you know? So it doesn't really make you feel good as a woman. So the point here is, as usual, empathy. So when you're... Uh, envisioning what your partner acts like on a general basis, are you taking into account and are you empathizing with the fact that if they are a high libido, high physical touch person, then they are always operating at a deficit. So even if you think that your partner is really annoying Um, you would have to kind of think to yourself, why really are they so annoying? Certainly a lot of it's got to be them innately. You know, probably most of it is like their mom or something. You know, us mothers do not get a good rap here later in life when you're trying to parse out why your significant other is irritating you. But I think that certainly, yeah, everybody's individual reasons are relevant, but you also have to look at the dynamic. So what is it's as similar as if your child is hungry and you base their uh, estimate of who they are as a person on how they act when they are hungry. You would really be mad if the teacher did this to your child. So picture that the teacher says, well, you know, your third grader was acting out in the morning. So I decided to keep him in and he had to write an apology to me during lunch. And um, so that's why he didn't eat his lunch today. But the thing is, he was even worse in the afternoon. So I think you got yourself a real sociopath on your hands. You would be livid. 
beyond. You would be violent, probably. So, <laughs> so the thing is, is it is really not very much different. I use this physical hunger analogy a lot to try to describe to the lower libido spouse what it is to be the higher libido spouse. So basically, if your partner feels that they're always in a deficit of touch, they're basically always hungry. And we know what hangry is, right? That's the combination of hungry and angry that happens when somebody's very hungry. Ironically, the highly sensitive um, lower libido partner often gets hangry a lot because the same person that is like overwhelmed by a lot of physical touch and therefore will reject sex frequently is often very responsive to stimuli in general that and uh, has their mood very easily impacted by variables such as hunger. So this should be a very useful analog for you if you are the lower libido partner. Um, or if you are the higher libido partner hoping to use some of my pearls of wisdom in your own discussions with your partner, which you are free to do. Nothing here is copyrighted, but if you do that, you really ought to subscribe, right? (laughs) Because you owe me one or many. So what, what I'm saying here is if you are the lower libido partner and you have been systematically denying, not maliciously, because you really don't have the drive um, and you've missed my 47,000 podcasts on why responsive desire is all that matters and, um, and, and you, you have not been ha- touching, kissing, hugging your partner for probably by this point years or since the birth of the baby who is now in seventh grade or whatever, you have to understand that they're always operating at a deficit and they're basically always hungry. Or you could think of it as sleep. Another thing that highly sensitive people are super responsive to is not getting enough sleep. What if your behavior at work, let's say, what if your evaluation at work had to be on a day that you were also kept awake for eight hours uh, all night? And you didn't sleep for then 24 hours. And then you had your big work evaluation. Would you think that that was fair? I don't think you would. And I don't think that it would, in fact, be fair. People... People's behavior ideally should be, it should count when you are doing something that is your best self. And it's not going to be your best self in these cases when you do not have the capacity to self-soothe and regulate in the way that you need. So when I say that, many people will take um, umbrage to that idea, right? That your partner should use your body to self-soothe or self-regulate. You know, and this is a common one that I hear is that, well, they don't need me. They just need anybody. And me, for example, if I need to eat or sleep, I take care of that by myself. And this person needs me to engage in the physical affection. So, yeah, that's true. You know, this person only though, if you want them to continue to be monogamous, because you could give them a very good loophole for that. And it would be an interesting discussion because think about it. You're not monogamous with sleep and food, you know, like you're, you're not going to get a divorce if your husband finds out that you ate food that another man cooked, you know, I mean, you probably do that on all takeout nights, right? So What you are saying to your partner is, I know that you need touch. I know that you need it from me, or at least you say that you need it from me, because again, many people don't believe that, but I've written quite a lot about how that is how physical touch people express love. 
But either way, you, even if you don't believe it, even if you think it's, quote, just physical affection, you can say, yeah, but why do you require it from me? Well, because this is a contract, a monogamous relationship. So they can't go get it anywhere else. Now, if you are constantly basing your high libido partner's uh, behavior assessment on how they are acting when they are never getting the amount of touch that they need, then you may be missing really how good they would act otherwise. So if they really got all of the physical affection that they wanted, they may be a transformed person. This frequently happens to people in second marriages when they have a different... Um, you know, a, a different sort of dynamic sexually with the new spouse, the prior spouse may not even recognize the person, may be pretty annoyed, you know, <laughs> like, why does he do everything she wants? Well, there's usually only one reason he does everything she wants. And that is, you know, that's good. She's sleeping with him and you hadn't been. So not to be overly simplistic, but sometimes overly simplistic is, is very useful. And for the higher libido person, having a sex life, and having the hugs and touches and kisses are it's it, it is it translate as I love you I accept you and it, there's no other way to get it not through words not through gifts not through acts of service not through any of the other love languages that you the lower libido partner may value so much this doesn't mean anything as I've said before when referencing the reddit dead bedrooms forum they they say something like um there's only one love language the other ones are like languages or uh they said that when I looked. I don't know if they say it still. But, um, and anyway, as I've said, that is a good resource for people in sexless marriages that many clients have told me about that they go on as dead bedrooms on Reddit. So that is interesting for you to check out if you need any validation. If you are in a sexless or close to sexless marriage or you are just dissatisfied sexually, you can get social support there. And I like social support and it's free. So anyhow... The, going back to the point is you really would have no idea how this person would act if you gave them all the physical affection they wanted. It may be so good how they would act that it would really, um, it, it would be worth it. It would be worth it to try to get yourself in the mood or to try to go over and give hugs and kisses when you don't necessarily want to. It might be worth it because they might be more joyful, more giving, more generous. And this isn't in a tit for tat. It's because they are genuinely then happier. It's like giving them an antidepressant and saying, I wonder why they're happier. It must be a trick. It must be manipulative. No, it's not. It's hormonal. It's biological. It's real. You know, in fact, you know, people's sex hormones go down when they're not having sex. It's like they're not needed. It's a very economical, biological mechanism, but it means that also your husband may have less testosterone. You think, okay, great, he's less aggressive, but he's also a schlump, schlumping around, fatigued, uh, no drive, really no um, get up and go, passivity. That's what happens with low testosterone. You know, and I'm not saying that having no sex is the only uh, thing that leads to that, but it is known that people's sex hormones do go down down when they are not engaging in physical activities, including sex. So here, here's the point. Oh, oh, and then I want to get to the common grievance. That is when people try this, they say, well, I did it and it didn't work. So you're wrong. Well, what did you do? Well, we usually have sex never and we did it once. 
And you know what? He was an asshole by the end of the week again. Still didn't work. Well, I mean, you know, that doesn't make any sense, right? So that's like giving a starving person a cracker and saying, see, food doesn't work. Or giving your child one dose of the required penicillin regimen and saying, yeah, penicillin doesn't work. Fake news. So it isn't going to work until you get up to the person's required amount. And now, if that sounds just completely uh, terrifying to you, that there, you know, that the one time a week would be so beneath the threshold, let's say, you should really talk to your partner about what their real threshold would be. But you can come in. Oh, you can only do that if you promise to come into it with like a positive attitude. You can't be like, "What's the absolute least amount that I would need to touch your disgusting self before you act perfect to me all the time?" That is really you know, not what we're going for. That's letter of the law, not spirit of the law, as I say. So what you would have to do is say, you know, I was really trying for us to get more on the same page uh, with sex, and I know it's really important to you, and you know you have a higher sex drive than me, and so I thought that maybe, like, you would be happier if we did it once last week. Now, I don't think you're very happy, so what is it, really? Like, what is your amount? They might just say twice a week, which to them is, you know, 200% of, 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 of what they're getting. And to you may not even sound so horrifying. Some women think that the guy's going to be like, you know, 16 times a week. And then they're going to be like, ah, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not a robot. But most guys don't say that. Honestly, most guys say two to three times a week because like so much better than once a week. Because then it's like multiple times. This is like children. Like, you know, you have like one child, then you have two children. And it seems like you just went from one to like 10 children, but you just added one, well, it's a, it's a multiplicative effect, much like it is with the sex life. Either you're somebody who has sex regularly, you know, like multiple times a week, or you're somebody who just has it once a week. Then if you're somebody who has it even less than once a week, then you really do not feel good at all. In fact, research suggests that the once a week is the minimum that is required to, for happy. That's what leads to happy. You know, um, and, and that's what makes people in my practice, too, that's the amount that if it's less than that, like it's like we know there's a problem or somebody has been sick or, or, or we've been fighting. But generally, it just means there is a massive sex problem if we cannot even get on a routine where we're doing it once a week. You know, because you do plenty of other things once a week. You sit at your children's uh, extracurriculars all once a week. That takes a hell of a lot of time, you know. So, so it's, it's hard when it gets below that. And so what you, what you want to do if you're thinking about this is not just like how could I appease my partner, but what would their best self look like? You know, like if your wife is somebody who always wants lots of touches and cuddles and back rubs and like all and sex and everything else, yeah, okay, you could come over and rub her shoulders for five minutes and be like, ah, she's still a bitch, but did you really try? No, you didn't really try. Maybe she would be sweet, loving, and generous again like she used to be at the beginning when you started dating her if she was getting her physical touch needs met similarly your husband may be unbearable and arrogant or you know just really self-centered but maybe it's a defense because he feels like you hate him you know so everything is bi-directional you're like well I hate him because he acts like an asshole so somebody's got to intervene (laughs) somebody's got to make the move toward uh being a better partner 
And if you even tell, by the way, your lower libido partner that you are even trying, even considering getting outside your comfort zone and reimagining what your sex life could look like with the stated goal of actually seeing what they would be like if they were truly happy, they will usually be really on board with that and will of their own accord, start acting nicer even just because they think you're finally taking them seriously, which is massively important. I think I mentioned this to you guys before, but it always sticks with me. I watched this BBC special on these women who couldn't have an orgasm, and it was very important to their husbands. Um, you know, it's hard to be with somebody that doesn't have an orgasm. As I discussed, this is why women should uh, actually not just say, no, I'm fine, no, I'm fine, because enough of no, I'm fine and no orgasm, of course you're not going to want to have sex. But anyway... And also those same women would be real weirded out if the guy stopped having an orgasm, I'll tell you. So anyway, so these women, they couldn't have an orgasm, but these two women, they were going through this procedure to like insert something electrical into their bodies so that perhaps they could. This was like a big procedure. But these men, they weren't, ha they weren't having sex either because the surgery is extensive. <laughs> but like, they, they were very happy. They were happy men. They were, looked a hell of a lot happier than men who are having sex once a week with a begrudging, albeit orgasmic woman. <laughs> because these women, their wives, really validated and understood that this problem was to the partner and to the marriage and to the sex life an actual problem worthy of addressing you know I mean women all the time and I'm, I'm reverting unfortunately to you know using women as the lower libido gender just because it's what I see so much and it's easier than going back and forth all the time but so on this one women frequently say oh he won't even come to therapy he won't even research therapy he won't read one book on psychology he will not even read many articles that I send him all from your blog means the man's gonna hate me right like in couples counseling because he just got said like eight of my articles right like within like one sleepless night that she had but you know she says he won't even read a book on relationships and how to make them better. How many books did she read on sex? Zero. Less than zero if there was a possibility. She would avert her eyes to such a book because she goes by this myth that it's unidirectional, that the emotional should be worked on before the sexual. But as I discussed, those have to be worked on at the same time because otherwise the partner with the physical touch love language is getting fucked, but not in the way that they want because it is very unfair and it is hierarchical and values-based when there is no such value system of placing emotional and verbal closeness on a, a realm and a pedestal high above base animalistic physical touch need, which is not true at all. There's a mind-body connection and a Western world repudiates it, but other cultures know there's a huge mind-body connection and that is really the, the point of everything I'm saying is if your partner is wired so that their mind and body, especially their sexuality, are very closely entwined, expecting them to, quote, be nice when they're feeling very dysregulated and alone and dissatisfied is like expecting your kid to be nice when his teacher took away his sandwich and said instead you just have to sit here and tell me something verbally that you're sorry which is the equivalent of what many people do when they fight with a higher libido partner so I hope that you enjoy this reframe and it opened your eyes even incrementally to the idea that there are other ways to think about these things 
and please share with your partner if it can open up a discussion and please if you're looking for therapists to work on stuff with I do have best life behavioral health that is my group practice so even if you can't see me directly sometimes you can I do have openings you can always see me directly but if you need uh, a therapist you can always check out my site bestlifebehavioralhealth.com or um, and I'm on there, but I'm also on DrSamanthaRodman.com is my own professional site that's separate from DrPsychMom.com for therapy clients, sex therapy, etc. All right, guys, um, I was going to say good work because it sounded like a session. That's what I say at the end of some of my sessions. Um, and uh, I will talk to everybody soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>